Welcome to the Global Australian Podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the Global Australian Network. We're the non-profit organisation committed to strengthening Australia by nurturing a globally connected mindset at home and abroad. One of the ways we do this is by shining a spotlight on the impact of extraordinary global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet 25 game changers recognised in the 2023 Global Australian Awards. These remarkable individuals generously share their stories with us, giving us insight into their international career journey, its highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know the inspiring game changers of 2023. In this episode, you will meet Peter Osborne, who is a 2023 game changer as an inspiring corporate leader. Peter Osborne is a distinguished business leader living and working in Taipei. He has been supporting companies' expansion in Asia for over 30 years and is an expert on successful market entry and growth. Beyond business, Peter has a profound commitment to philanthropic work in children's health and education in remote communities across the region. Joining me on this interview is Kathy Campbell, the producer of the Global Australian Awards. In simple terms, let's say you're addressing a high school audience or someone, how do you describe what you do on a day-to-day basis? Uh, I, guess I, I guess how I describe it, Joanna, is I support companies, mostly companies from Australia, to expand their business in Asia. And I provide advice and information and contacts and my network, I guess, from drawn from over 30 years of living and working in the region. That's how I describe in simple terms what I'm currently doing now, yeah. And tell us about the path to this point. Um, what led to this point that's enabled you to build up all those contacts in the region? Yeah, well, it's an interesting well, it's, it's story. I didn't start off um, thinking I was going to do this. I actually did, um, I studied environmental science at Griffith University in Brisbane and I was going to be the park ranger at Noosa Head so I could surf all day. Well, that was what I wanted in my career, but it just, that didn't turn out and happen that way. So, but I was really lucky to end up having a very interesting career in the Australian government first, working as a trade diplomat with the Australian Trade Commission and did a, a lot of postings, particularly in North Asia, so Taiwan, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Beijing, uh, and then, uh, then got poached or stolen, if you want to pull that, from the government to work in the private sector uh, for, for Blackmores, which is Australia's leading uh, natural healthcare company that I'm sure most of the people will know, and then run their Asian business for about uh, 10 years or so until early 2020. And since then, I sort of semi-retired, and I spend my time now advising a lot of companies from Australia, US, uh, and, through, uh, and, and Asia on expanding their business in the region. Uh, and try to surf a minimum of two days a week as well. So that's what I call semi-retirement, semi-retirement. Yeah. Right, so you've maintained your surfing regimen in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've tried to, yeah, I've, I've surfed all my life actually, ever since I was a kid. So yeah, I still surf, yeah, a couple of times a week. And Joanna, I'm the oldest guy in the water by at least 30 years here. So, um, yeah, which is, which is interesting, but they let the old foreigner get a few waves, so that's okay. 
course. Well, well um, I, I know that since finishing at Blackmore's and probably even beforehand, it's not just work. You've also got a lot of philanthropic um, endeavours that you're part of. Can you share a little bit about those things that you do? Yeah, sure, Joanna. I mean, that, that's a great, I guess, a great motivation for me is helping other people. And I really I like to help other people. I always had, and I'm a great believer in sort of kindness and compassion and being, and every one of us can make a positive impact on someone else's life, no matter how small that might be. And so I support a, a range of organisations that, that work. A lot, of, a lot of the work they do is in remote communities. So whether that's in the South Pacific, in Indonesia, in Uganda, Nepal, and Nepal, and I also have a very strong and sort of long-term relationship with Bhutan, where I support a Buddhist foundation in Bhutan, and I've I've um, been going there and travelling there a couple of times a year for about the last decade or so. So um, that's where I... And, and that's one of the, my main motivations for continuing to work in my dotage is to, uh, is to support those, those organisations with the really amazing work that they, they do in, in helping people in these, in these very, in often very remote locations. Yeah, can you, you mentioned about the, the motivation to do that kind of work. I'd imagine also in your work that... Um, helping companies expand their businesses in, in Asia and, and work in Asia would also be incredibly rewarding. What are some of the challenges and some of the highlights that go with that advisory role that you have? Yeah, look, I, I think it's, it is really interesting work and I, I really like it, obviously, because you get a very broad range of activity that you do and different companies that you support and help. And I think the, the real the, the challenge for, for many companies when they expand outside their home market is just the complexity of those other markets that they're going into. And those complexities are cultural, they're social, they're, they're commercial, they're the sort of idiosyncrasies of actually operating and executing on the ground and operating successfully in those countries. So I guess that's the, those are the challenges that I help companies to try to address. And I guess I've, I've, I've lived and worked in the region, as I've said, for over 30 years, and I've got a lot of... I got a lot of battle scars from things that didn't work, and, and things that have, and, and the great successes of things that have worked. And I, I guess the joy for me is being able to support companies, pass on those insights, and, and, and support them to grow their business. That obviously then has a flow-on effect to the staff and their partners and, and the people that they engage with. So that's the that's the highlight for me is to is to see that success, or or also a highlight is to is to help companies not to enter a market because <laughs> if they do enter it's it may not it may not achieve what they want to achieve so so being able to actually help them to you know strategically look at where their business should go and then make that decision as to whether they do or don't make that expansion and how that then impacts their overall their overall business performance yeah absolutely uh on a what would it look like for a company that, let's say, what sort of factors would you look at to say, this is not the right market for you, um, I don't see the opportunities here, and, and, and what about where you do see the opportunities, what are some examples of the sort of challenges they might run into? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think what I, what I, I like I sort of, what I like to look at first is just the company itself, I mean, how much experience they've got, what's their... Uh, you know, what's their product? Does it fit the market? Does it fit what the consumer is going to want to buy? And then a really big thing for most companies too is then, is then actually what's the company's commitment to expanding that business? Because when you expand into an overseas market, it takes a lot of commitment from the board, from management, from the staff, everyone. And it mm -hmm. takes more than just money and to invest. It takes 
it's you know, so basically a lot of management commitment and time to do it. And then a lot of it comes down to two, Joanna, is what's the sort of, I guess, the sort of, how to use the term, the mental fit of the company and how it, how it views its expansion in, how's it going to match with the market that it wants to go that it wants to go into, and then I, I try to essentially assess that and say, okay, this 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 company has has what it takes to 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 enter and enter and go into this market, and and then I and then I think that then there's some I guess what you can say is really basic tactical stuff that every company needs to do, whether that's intellectual property or sorry that's an ambulance going past. Um, not for me because I'm so stressed by this interview, but it sounds like it's parking downstairs. No, no it's moved on. Okay, um, but no, no where, well, where was I? No, I was, I was just sort of saying. I mean, I think, I think there's there's a whole lot of sort of factors such as, yeah, as I say, intellectual property, trademarks, and then just pure regulation. Can can you or can't you actually sell that product or provide that service in that in that market? And then it's a matter of finding the right partners to work out and what's your, what's your route to go-to-market model? Do you have your own subsidiary? Do you have a partner or whatever? And then if you're going to have partnerships and distributors, who are you going to jump into bed with? Um, you know, There's a great Chinese expression which says, you know, lying in the same bed and having different dreams. And that's, that's often the case with distribution partnerships in many markets or that people's dreams change over time. Um, so, yeah, and I, and I think, I think, as I say, I've... I think one of the other things, and I'm sorry, maybe I'm talking too much, but I think the other thing is for companies to really understand just what's their capacity to grow and support their business as it grows into complex markets. And and in the time I was with Blackmores, I mean, I, I did a lot of, we expanded a lot, we expanded from five to 15 markets in the region in the space of 10 years and did that, you know, successfully thanks to an awesome team. But also we, we had some... Great failures when I when I got overly overly enthusiastic about my own ability to develop into markets like Cambodia and Kazakhstan and got a little bit um, a little bit too enthusiastic of our own abilities, but that's okay. I mean, you learn that you learn some lessons from that too about about managing growth and managing the speed you grow and then managing the capability of the team to be able to support that around from everything through from supply chain to HR to to you know, legal etc so sorry joanna that was a very long answer <laughs> no it's fantastic and it's i think um really important in this um this category of, around corporate leadership to understand some of the um some of the ways in which you've sort of gained that know-how but also how you're applying it now so thank you um what does it mean to you to be recognized as a game changer in the 2023 uh, global australian awards well, it's obviously it's a huge it's a huge honour, and I've been a big supporter of Advance and for for many many years and the great work that the organisation does, but for Australia and our position on on the sort of global stage. So, it's a it's a huge honour to me, and I'm I'm really humbled by it because I know the I know the you know, thousands of of other Aussies and other people with an Australian connection out there doing things internationally, and so to be to be a finalist is really uh, it, it really means a lot to me, and also. It's really important to me as as spending literally spent my whole career, I guess, supporting Australian businesses and supporting Australia to try to, to expand in the region. And so for me, that that sort of recognition of the importance of Asia to Australia and the, the small the small place I've played in that is really is really important to me, and it makes it really special to, to me. And I, and I hope special to other people who are doing similar things to what I've I've been doing. Yeah, definitely motivational and, and um, showing that path 
you must be approached by a lot of people, whether they want to be a trade diplomat or or want to um, have some sort of corporate role in Asia. What advice do you have for them and um, and that you can share with uh, the broader audience here? Yeah, sure. I thought about this quite a lot, Jana, before the before the, the call, and, and I think I think for me the advice I give to most people, and I've given this, I've got I've got four kids who are all adults now, and I've given the same advice to them is that is that it's sort of hard work. I mean, hard work and tenacity and resilience, and to sort of always keep pushing forward is, is I think something that's really important to at a career level and also at a personal level. Like, and I, and my own view is sort of. Tenacity and resilience are critical to, to to success in whatever you do, and then the other big motive, big thing for me, of course, is this whole theme for me of kindness and compassion, and and that you when you're growing your career, you're growing your life, whatever you do, you you should always try to be kind to other people and be compassionate and try to help other people, and I, I've had this thing for for a very long time now that I got off one of my former bosses, I don't know, maybe four decades ago, which was at the end of every day when you look back on the day. Did you help someone during the day? Did you help someone, or did you make someone happy? Did you do something in that day that helped someone? And I think, and that's really important to me because I think as you as you grow your career, and particularly as you grow your career, at the end of your career, in my view, because I'm I'm sort of reached the end of at least several one part of my career. When you look back on your career, no one remembers the profit that you made for a company. No one remembers that. What they remember, what people will remember about you, or what you should want to remember for, is how you treated other people. And, and how you respected other people, and then and how they you know they, how they then respected their, their their teams, and so I think that's really important for anyone growing their career, is that you yeah how you treat other people and and, and how you look after your team. I always have this thing you you know you treat your team like your family, and in the time I was with Blackmores, we grew that team in Asia from a hundred to a thousand staff, and and one of the reasons we were so successful was because. The staff was, you know, I, tr I, I tried to really look after the team, and they looked after me, and they looked after the business. So, sorry again, somewhat rambling, long answer, but you can tell I'm very passionate about that 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 topic of really caring for other people and being kind and compassionate no matter what you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Peter. That's all my questions. Um, Kathy, any questions that you wanted to run by Peter? Yes. I do have a question, Peter, and it's it's kind of really two parts. I mean, there, there really are some some themes that come up for each of these Game Changer interviews, and most of the time the Game Changer did not plan the career as such from the beginning. It really is sort of a path that you're following an area of interest and it sort of unfolds and you continue to follow a path. There's very few who had something in their mind in their late, teens or high school and was specific about it and they just went out and, and did that. Um, but one of the themes is um, talking around learnings and what you just said made me think of it, battle scars. Um, the role of failure, and it's a loaded word and often people don't like to use it, but it was interesting. One of the um, game changers earlier this week was saying, in Silicon Valley, um, if you haven't failed at least once, it's like you haven't really learnt anything. So it, he said there's such a, a different mindset around failure mm. um, in, the, in Silicon Valley that's almost unique to it, that it's not, you don't see it commonly elsewhere. But when you talked about battle scars, it's almost that same theme, that learning from, you know, something that 
didn't work out as you'd planned. Do you, yeah, can you talk about that topic of failure and learning? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, yeah, you're exactly right. And it's interesting because Marcus Blackmore, you know, the, 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 whose name's on the bottle of Blackmores, I mean, Marcus always, always often said, again, if we're not making mistakes, we're not, you know, if we're not making mistakes, we're not trying hard enough. And Marcus actually wanted to put an award in the company for the, almost like to sort of want to say reward the biggest mistake, but to actually to try to highlight that, you know, you don't want people making mistakes all the time, but to actually highlight that's not a bad thing to do that. And then it's okay, how do you learn from that and how do you go forward? And I also, I also think, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a Buddha, I'm Buddhist, and, and I think part of that for me too is that, you know, once, once you've done something and something's failed or something hasn't worked out the way you want, you can't wind time back. It's happened. So you have to learn from that and move forward. And there's no point, there's no point in sort of, you know, you know, people getting sort of clipped around the ear for it or really, you know, put pressure on the on things that happen. Okay, there's, it, it, it is depends on the situation or whatever. But I think, yeah, I think it's really important to sort of learn from that and move <clears throat> and move forward, and, and also just just be quite open. And and I think as a leader, one of the things that's really hard at times is just actually to admit that you made a mistake. Like you know, for example, with Blackmores, we went into Cambodia. And I, I thought it was a great idea, and, we, and it all looked great on paper. And we went in, we had a good partner and stuff. It just didn't work. We were way too early for the market. Price point wasn't right, whatever. And and just to be able to say to the board, for me to say, it just didn't work. I got it. I got it wrong. It, I got it wrong. It was no one fault. We got it wrong, so we just we shut Cambodia down. Let's just, just let's move on. And one and you know the, we learned some lessons about that about going into a market where you're too early for the consumer. And, you, and your price point for the product isn't going to match the, the current consumer demographic. It seems like basic stuff as a retail brand, but actually you, you can sometimes convince yourself that you convince yourself, doesn't matter how much the price point is, that middle class in Cambodia is going to just jump in there and buy your product. Actually, no, they don't. They're not interested. They want to do other things with their money. So, um, yeah, no, I, th I think it's really, I think it's, it's really important. And I think for a I think with a start, with it, with a, as a leader with your team too, you, you've got to be recognised. They've got to know that you're not, they're not going to get belted up if they've made a mistake, and that it's okay that, to do that and learn from it and move on. Oh, I'm fascinated. If you've got five more minutes, I do have another question, and it's around those, those four. Um, kind of, there's, I call them soft skills, but there is as another one of our game changers. They're essential skills tenacity, resilience, kindness and compassion. I think people can be born with some of that, but they can be learned skills as well. Do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely, Cathy. I mean, I mean I've mean, i always I've always felt, thought of myself as a caring person and my parents, I sort of got that from my parents, but absolutely you, you, you can, and I think tenacity, tenacity and resilience, often tenacity and resilience comes from comes from hard times and making mistakes and and you know falling over and then having to pick yourself up and keep going forward but i think those yeah you can certainly learn that and i think when it comes to kindness and compassion you can learn that too you can just train yourself if, if to understand how important that is and i think and you can see you, you can also see the pretty immediate effect of that on 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 people and, and, and the sort of joy that brings to people. It doesn't matter how small how small that might be. And I'll, I'll, you, I'll give you a really interesting example of this. It comes from, from here in Taiwan. I go for a surf twice a week, as I say, and I drive, to the, I drive to the beach about an hour. Anyway, as I'm driving to the beach, there's a lady on one of the corners of the freeway 
and she sells these, she sells frangipani flowers. They put them on a thing and they put them on a little piece of, and you hang it in your car and it smells really nice, frangipani flowers. Now she's out there, it's pouring rain, it's 40 degrees, doesn't matter. She's out there from like literally 3am in the morning until about 9 o'clock and she knocks off and she sells these flowers for about 5 cents. And so I see her every every time I'm driving to the beach. And so I, I stop and buy the flowers off her. Oh, you know, she's, and she, and sorry, you stop at the lights and she comes out in the middle of the traffic and knocks on your window. And she sells the flowers for five cents. So every time I see her, and I see her twice a week, I give her like, I give her like five bucks every time. And, 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 and I'm just like, she, when she sees me in the traffic, her, I can see her eyes light up. And it's not about, and I know it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's that I, it's that I take the effort to, and I take the effort to talk to her too, and ask her how she's going, and you know, whatever. If I've got time, when the lines change. But I just think that's the sort of thing when I say, you, every day you can do little things that actually help other people. And for her, it, it helps her, I'm sure, financially because she doesn't have to sell so many flowers every day. So when she, because she, she stays in until she sells the flowers, and then she goes back to home. And 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 so that's what I, and I, and it's not only that, but then it's the joy of thinking, like, see. I'm not just flying parks in the car. I think she's some, you know, because she's, she's always pretty dirty and she's, you know, whatever, and she's wet or whatever from the rain. And I think that's really important. And I don't do that for any benefit myself, make myself feel good. I just think it helps her and makes her happy. And I'm sure every day when, when it does, she, you know, think things are good. Sorry, that's a rambling answer again. But I think, yeah, so I think those things are really, I think those things are really important. And, but, and, and, I, and as I say, sorry, just to finish off, I really think, sort of tenacity and resilience is just critical to anyone's career and life. I mean everyone everyone no one has a everyone has a challenge have has challenges in their lives, every one of us. And it's the ability to keep going and keep pushing forward and be resilient and and while you're doing that, to stay kind and compassionate as much as you can. I mean we all have bad days. But yeah, that, that's how I sort of view view life. Thank you so much for indulging me that extra bit of time. I could ask many more, but I will. Yeah, I mean, exactly as you said before, Cathy, I mean, I just had this very winding career. I just fell into, uh, literally, because I was working in, I was working in the government, I was working in what was then the Australian Bureau of Agricultural Economics, and actually, which I didn't mention anyway, but I started my career actually as a field officer in the Bureau of Agronomics, and I traveled literally all over Australia for five years, everywhere, everywhere. And talking to farmers, which I learned a lot from that experience too, too about being humble and you know not knowing what you don't know. But I just happened to fall into a job in the government in, in Canberra. I got a, I was working in the trade department, and then this this job came up working on Taiwan, and because there's no diplomatic relationship between Australia and Taiwan, obviously. And so at that stage, this is a long time ago, that people who worked on Taiwan weren't in the government. We there was an office in the Australian Chamber of Commerce. In Canberra, there's two people sitting there, and so by I just applied. I just saw this job and I thought it looks interesting. No background at all, and I got the job because no one wanted to work. No one wanted to work in this little sub office sitting down in one of the suburbs in Canberra. So by default, Ivani, I became a Taiwan expert because there was no everyone wanted to work on China, but I, I just thought, oh, this looks fun, and so I became by default a Taiwan expert, and I got posted to Taipei with Austrade or to work in what was then the Australian Chamber of Commerce office here. And um, and so then by default, I just, and then I started, when I was here, I picked up Chinese on the ground. I didn't, I never studied it formally, but I can speak Mandarin quite fluently now, but I just picked it up on the ground, literally. Um, and then I, yes, yeah, so I became a Taiwan expert and that was it. I was then off. So I just got posted 
and I had a post in Taiwan, and then I saw this job come up in Fiji, of all places, with the South Pacific Forum, and applied and, and woo-hoo, got it. So then I spent three years out in Fiji in Suva, basically spending most of the time, half my time surfing, and then, um, and then got brought back to Taiwan for, with Austrade, and then went from there to Shanghai, then to Hong Kong, then to Beijing, and then I joined Blackmore. So yeah, very, a very circuitous route, route to get there. And, and a lot of a lot of luck in that process too. Right, you know, just right time, right place. Yeah, so that's that's the other thing. Yeah, I and, and that that's one of my other pieces of advice to, to, to people as they develop the career is just be prepared to go anywhere. Because the more you, my view is, the more you go outside and come back in or whatever, you move like that. You don't you're not going to don't have a linear path. You, you, you can go, I think you can go a lot further by sort of bouncing around and going up. Because you also learn a whole lot of different skills and like, I mean, like I'm trying to get, trying to get, when I was out in the South Pacific Forum, sorry, I know I'm taking too much time, but when, when, I, when I left Australia, we had this policy that any, anything that came into, the, into Australia, you had to respond in a minimum of 48 hours, you know, to a company or whatever. So I get out to Fiji and I'm in my first week in the job and I've got a couple of guys working for me, one from Tuvalu and a couple of Tongans and a guy from New Guinea and a Samoan and stuff. And we get it and I said, oh, we send this fax off to Tuvalu and I said to the guys, let's chase it up, let's chase it up, we need to, you know, I want to bring this policy of get a response in 48 hours. And these guys just literally fell on the floor just laughing. And they said, Peter, if you can get a response from Tuvalu within 48 days, you'll be doing well. So that was it, that set the tone for my three years working in BG with the South Pacific Forum. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more inspiring stories of global Australian game changers, please go to our website, advance.org.